This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast. My name is Jayant Shriram and I'm your host for today. In this episode, we're talking about the challenges of counting or estimating the death toll from COVID-19 in India. This is of course complicated and often a very polarizing subject. We know from a combination of factors, the size of India's population, the lack of good and accessible data in many instances, that there is certainly a difference between the officially reported figures for deaths from the pandemic and the actual death count. But to what degree is there underreporting or undercounting? This is the cause of much speculation, the subject now of many mathematical models and projections even. As we record this podcast today, the 26th of May, the New York Times has published an article headlined Just How Big Could India's True COVID Toll Be? It projects a likely scenario in which there are 1.6 million deaths as against the reported figures as of May 24, which stand at a little over 300,000 in India. We're going to take a slightly broader approach to this issue in the podcast today and break down some of the issues with counting deaths in India, the various methodologies that are used to do this, and the challenges of each. And we are joined today by Dr. Anand Krishnan. He is a professor at the Centre for Community Medicine at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. He has also written two recent columns for the Hindu on counting the COVID-19 toll in India, And in the course of this podcast, we'll go over the points and arguments that he makes in both those columns. We go through a lot of technicalities during the conversation about the processes through which mortality, not just from COVID-19, but other causes, are calculated. And we hope that it will give you a more comprehensive picture on this issue. We'll link, of course, to the two articles that Dr. Krishnan has written for us. Dr. Anand Krishnan, welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Thanks, Jant. Happy to be here. Right. So we're going to cover um, some arguments that you made in across uh, the space of two articles, uh, one that came out on our pages in September last year and one more recently this month. So um, in your article last year, and you know, generally we're talking about counting COVID-19 deaths in India. In your article last year, you wrote that while knowing the number of COVID-19 deaths is a good indicator of the burden, this alone is not much use in planning our current public health strategies, for which, you know, case fatality rates or infection fatality rates are far more useful. But you said, however, that it gives us an opportunity to be better prepared for future estimates, having an estimate of the number of deaths. So in that broader sense, you know, you were writing in September last year after the first wave. We're in the midst of the second wave right now. Have we learned any major lessons from the first wave that can help us now or are they not being applied? See, basically, uh, death is an end uh, of a process, right? And it takes some time to hack And we are still grappling with estimating the burden of uh, deaths due to COVID in the first wave globally, not just in India. Right. Therefore, obviously, it is not useful for planning our immediate strategy because we still don't know what happened in the first wave. We may have some broad set of numbers, but we really don't know exactly how many people died. In fact, WHO released its estimate yesterday, which it put it about twice the reported estimates. 
but so we really death is a uh, is something that uh, will not help us immediately uh, answer questions but it is something that we should know at least at some point of time we should know how many people died due to covid whether in mm. india or globally so it's an important parameter to measure but it is not something that we can measure on a, even in a good countries we don't are not able to measure it in in uh, at the same time as it occurs because there is invariably a delay in a death it being reported then it being countered and uh, finally being known to public right so um but in terms of what happened in in terms of how we went about recording it during the first wave to now have there been any improvements in how we go about this i was mean when you say we we are you are talking about india yes yes yeah so uh, in, actually no not much we have not changed our systems are, are not that flexible that we can change our systems quickly and start a new system the system remains the same the problems remains the same of counting covid deaths so in that sense uh, unless we make systemic changes in the way mortality surveillance or counting of deaths is done in india and cause of death we are unlikely to have a, a any improvement from what was done last year to this year okay so uh, moving on now um you know what are the main sources we have in india for recording cause of death and then perhaps we can sort of discuss those and then briefly go into the issues uh, that you identified with each yeah so you see largely there are three sources of Uh, uh, death data in india when we say death data there are two things that we are lo- looking at one is how many people died and second is what did they die of or cause of death so we need to count the deaths and we need to know the cause of death both are important for any meaningful analysis to be done regarding yeah. the f- most important is obviously the lay registration of births and deaths civil registration of births and deaths where as you know all of us are by law required to report any birth and death in our families to the nearby and get a certificate which has very legal implications as well in terms of and but unfortunately in india this does not cover all deaths not everybody goes and reports uh, especially it will be true for more children and women because they do not have properties to in, be inherited or something like that so their that certificates are not that legally important so we we end up counting about 80 85% of deaths in india 15% of deaths are not counted at all so that's the problem with civil registration of counting part the cause of death part is in, in in that is that it is just what when when you go to say uh, report to the registrar you say my uh, father or daughter or wife died of some disease you say cancer or say by heart attack or cardiac arrest that gets reported as the cause of death that's obviously not that's what we call as a lay reporting of cause of death that has been shown not to be very good at uh, identifying the correct cause of death so that's the problem with the registration the second is the medical certification of cause of death where people especially those who die in a hospital are certified by medically by the doctor treating uh, the, uh, the patient as the cause of death and they the hospitals are again required by law to report the death to the uh, registrar so that, those are good that they get counted as well as the cause of death is reasonably good there are problems with medical certification but largely that is a very good system of uh, cause of death because the doctor who is treating the physician uh, to the patient uh, gets to certify the cause of death the problem with this this is that in india majority of deaths don't occur in the hospitals roughly only 40% of deaths in india are medically certified right. especially true for urban areas in rural areas this is obviously is much worse only 20% would get uh, would die in a hospital therefore the medical certification of cause of death has a significant urban bias it counts more urban deaths and it does not cover all the deaths so while it is good for cause of death it is not good for counting of deaths so that's the problem with the second one 
So we saw first one has is a reasonably good way to count deaths, but not good at cause of death. Certification is a good way to as the cause of death, but not a good way to count deaths, which leads us to the third, which is called as a sample registration system. Somewhere in the 70s, India recognized that these two are very important, birth rate, death rate, infant mortality rates, maternal mortality rates. Therefore, we created a parallel system. We took a sample which is representative of India right, from all parts of the country. And there we did what we call as an active surveillance. The workers would go house to house and identify births, deaths, etc. So here it's an active surveillance. So we count all the births and deaths. For a long time, this was our major source of and we also, the, this used to generate our annual birth rates, death rates. Problem with this was that it does not give us good cause of death because, again, the same problem arises. Majority of them would have died in the hospital. So we introduced a new system called as a verbal autopsy where the worker who identifies the death will also ask questions related to the time of death. What happened? Uh, what were the symptoms? What were the, what this was done? Did they take to the hospital? What did the doctor say? If there are investigations which are available? This is captured and then a physician uses this to arrive at a cause of death. So the information is captured by a worker, which is then shared with a doctor and a physician then arrive at a cause of death. As you can see, this is sort of a compromise of a medical certification of a cause of death. Doctor has not seen the patient, but based on the, the data which has been collected by the worker, and this whole thing is dependent on how good that quality of data collection is, physician will arrive at cause of death. But studies have shown that this verbal autopsy gives a reasonably good cause of death uh, if the quality of verbal autopsy is reasonable. And this is SRS covers about, you can say, 40,000 deaths in India, which is less than 1% of deaths in India. It's about 0.5% deaths in India. Therefore, though it counts very less number of deaths, but it does in a representative way. And therefore, this can be extrapolated to the whole of the country. And the cause of death is also of reasonably good quality. Therefore, it is the SRS data which is used often when we talk about all issues related to cause of death in India, including death rate as well as dif different cost-specific death rates, like how many people die of heart disease or cancer or diabetes would come from this SRS data set. Right. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you actually for an example, supposing we remove COVID from the picture, how is this SRS data? I mean, is there a, a disease that you can identify where the SRS data works well to kind of extrapolate across the country? See, uh, largely the SRS data is what is used for across the country. So let's not know that it is valid or not. But obviously, verbal autopsy as a tool is performs better in some causes of death, like injuries, like cancers, even say heart attack. And it may not perform that well in some causes of death, for example, liver diseases, because the, the richness of data is not that uh, good in those kind of diseases. So uh, SRS is what we are using. The problem with SRS is that the process takes a lot of time. The counting of deaths occurs almost a year after it has occurred, then followed by verbal autopsy, then followed by a physician. So the, the problem with SRS is the delay in the release of report. For example, in India, as of now, the last report is of 2013. And the government is about to release about say, till 2016 or 17, in, in maybe in 2021. So we are running at least four to five years behind. Uh, so you can imagine the COVID deaths would be reported in, if in the normal course of event, it would get reported in 2023. You may say that that is of no use if we do it like that. But that's the current process. There is a delay between the, the actual death and when the verbal autopsy occurs and when it is coded. There is a systems delay there. Right. So um, I want to get to actually the protocol of recording that, you know, firstly, right. So let's, when we're talking about COVID-19, um, 
and when we're talking about this whole issue of missed covid-19 deaths um there are sort of three things that people usually talk about one is that um people could be recorded as non covid deaths or missed entirely if they take place at home that's one that you identified in your first answer second is people who are never tested may not be recorded and the third is that there's deliberate undercounting in in terms of the, just the protocol do you think the i mean the first aspect is the one that we really need to be concerned about the fact that we just don't have you know an adequate data set that can record uh, the, the the total number of deaths because largely they take place at home yeah, okay it's a complex issue i will try to take you through the whole thinking right um, first let us talk about covid deaths which occur in hospitals we'll talk about covid deaths which occur in in now outside the hospitals is a later stage remember this is largely been covered by medical certification of course of death which is done by doctors whether right. who or icmr they are guidelines for doctors on when to certify covid as a cause of death see when we certify a cause of death we certify what is called as an underlying cause of death which is the death is actually a process it's an end of a process what started that last terminal illness for example it is in covid somebody could die because of covid in the sense that covid infection followed by pulmonary complications and could die because of that okay. so that is what we call as a direct covid death there is no problem in labeling this person as a covid death he would have got tested even if not tested if the doctor is convinced from clinical features that this is a uh, in, in in an epidemic situation that this is a covid death he is free to certify uh, at least medically speaking legally or, or administratively is a different thing the certification is done by doctor as a judgment it is not a, and doctors are free to decide by their own training to attribute a cause of death to covid uh, so that's number one sometimes it happens especially in covid that you have covid you you recover from covid you become negative but die due to complication of covid maybe one month two months or two weeks later of the covid right it could be due to a heart attack it could be due to a secondary pneumonia right strictly speaking this it should also be attributed to covid because it is a complication sequelae of covid but here depending upon the doctor it's a judgment again there is no rule that if it that occurs within one month or three months it should be related to covid so there again a judgment doctor as a judgment will decide whether the chain of events which led to death started with covid if that doctor feels in his, his or her judgment then they could identify this as a covid death in their judgment they could also identify it as a non covid death putting it as a let's say heart attack or pneumonia as the cause of death rather than covid as a cause of death so these are the two uh, covid deaths uh, scenarios which occur in hospital in the home obviously we we have no way of counting deaths which are occurring in the home there is no system except through crematoriums and those kind of places where we can uh, go and find out but again we know a lot of people don't get tested and therefore invariably it has been seen even in developed countries that what we call as a direct counting of covid deaths invariably result in underestimation the extent of underestimation may vary between different countries but there is no doubt that even in developed countries covid deaths are being undercounted so what is the way out of it so what we do as i said in my this thing that we do an indirect counting see there is yeah. also another third, third group of deaths which we can attribute to the pandemic if not directly to the covid because of the pandemic we closed hospitals uh, access to care was disrupted somebody who was on cancer treatment the treatment stopped or developed an heart attack could not seek care because of the uh, covid pandemic or lockdown and died these we call as an indirect uh, uh, death due to covid in a way they are also a impact of the pandemic they would not have occurred if the pandemic was not there 
So all these three deaths together are what we call as an excess deaths. So deaths which would not have occurred if there was no pandemic. This death of excess is clear if uh, we calculate in a simple language. If the pandemic was not there, what is the expected number of deaths during that period? And what did actually happen? The difference gives you the number of deaths which were in excess. So that is why we end up using excess death approach as a proxy for estimation the impact of pandemic rather than using a direct number of counting of COVID deaths because that is invariably an under uh, counting. Right. Okay. Uh, so just one one sort of follow up there. You um, look a lot of reporting right now and I'm referring to journalism practice here. I think because of the problems you mentioned with this direct counting a lot of reporting right now is sort of focused on this this kind of going to the cemeteries, right? So right. a reporter knows an area well. The you can tell that there's some kind of undercounting. So you go to the cemetery and say, okay, there's there are so many bodies being burned. I mean, is that 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 does suggest a picture? But how accurate is that kind of yeah. uh, ground reporting? Exactly. I think you have hit the nail on its head. It gives you a picture. It definitely tells you that this undercounting. But I would be extremely wary of using it as a ratio to calculate the excess deaths. I think uh, I, I would not agree to that. That's a very crude method. Right. And I would not uh, really advocate a crude method. Uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, sensationalism built around this kind of uh, reporting. I think we need to moderate that kind of an approach. Okay, right. But um, just coming back to this uh, the system of excess debts, um, which I think is really interesting. So is, is this approach also being used globally? And are there sort of global counts now of uh, excess deaths in which, you know, um, India also factors in? So that could give us some sort of estimate of what the death count has been in India. Okay, excess death has been used even before COVID pandemic. It has been extensively used for influenza pandemics as well as seasonal influenza, which is that what are the number of deaths which occur every year? Uh, because influenza occurs in a specific season. So they have used this excess death in, 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 in a season of uh, uh, in, in Western countries. So this approach is well established, has been used for influenza before. It has also been used for COVID in all countries, uh, including globally. Uh, recently, the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation released a global uh, estimate of excess deaths, which put it around 6 million, uh, with India about uh, 0.6 million. So, uh, and they said that India is undercounting to about uh, on a ratio of about 3. Last week, or I think yesterday, WHO released its uh, very conservative estimate. It has a lot of caveats, which you should be careful because data is not that easily available. Uh, but it said that it, it put it around 3 million uh, globally. Uh, clearly, we are having different estimates by different agencies. That is because of both the the data is, uh, is a problem as well as the approaches are a problem. There are multiple approaches uh, of multivariate uh, equations. Even different approaches give you gives you different uh, values. Uh, quite often reasonably different by one or two times the difference. So we don't know which is correct. So we are going to end up with a range of uh, estimates for uh, globally as well as for India. IHME released estimates for India, but WHO has not yet released country-specific estimates because it seems that it does not have enough data for many countries except in Euro and American region where it has a lot of good data. For almost all other uh, regions of the world, WHO is not giving a even region-specific report uh, estimate, forget a, a country-specific estimate. So, uh, 3 million deaths you mentioned. Uh, I mean, what, what sort of undercounting, what's the range of undercounting that that suggests? Globally, about 1.5 million have been reported. So, roughly, WHO says that the undercounting is about uh, two times. Right. So, factor of two. 
Um, so that, uh, but they're not applying that to any country yet specifically. No, I think they are going to uh, spend more time for next over next two months. Uh, WHO is likely to release a country-specific estimates about in a two to three months time after it scours around and talks to countries to get better data. And we are hoping that India would India's SRS data would also go into that when we generate India's estimate. Right. We're okay. Trying to expedite that process. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, are there any, I mean, I know that your uh, group has been trying to work out um, national estimates. I know that possibly others are also working on this. What are the challenges you face even in compiling data for this process, this uh, this excess death count? I think the greatest challenge is, is the access to data. Uh, to get right. the actual data, methodological challenges or modeling challenges will always remain. Uh, and as I said, uh, those can be worked out. But I think the uh, data remains, access and quality of data are the greatest challenges for arriving at an estimate. And just sort of, can you, uh, is there an example that you can give us in terms of state-wise or district-wise variants that you found um, in terms of access to data? We, we have just initiated uh, trying to access data from all the states, uh, including in SRS. So at, at this time, I, I'm not able to give you an exact example of where the SRS is likely to give us data. That is, they have initially indicated that they would be willing to share. So now we are working with them to see, get the data in the way that we want will be useful for modeling. For the other states, uh, which is with the civil legislation data, we have just written to all of them. I, I think it's too early to comment uh, whether we will get or not get or we will face problems. We are hopeful that if not all states... Definitely a reasonable number of states would give us data so that we can arrive at, uh, use that to arrive at a national estimate. Right. And this would be like, you have, to, you have to count the data from all the states or can you use that kind of, um, you, you, we spoke earlier about using a kind of a sample. So, so sample. This is also true for globally what they are doing. Suppose you don't have estimates for some countries and you have for some, which is what you will end up with. Similarly, right. you might end up with estimates for some states. And not for some states, because see, it's also uh, if it is digitalized, the data can be available very easily. If, if you are on a manual data, 2020 data would not be available soon. So what we do is that we use another another statistical technique. So we estimate for those countries which have uh, good uh, data, and we use some covariates. Uh, see what explains the differences in the estimates from different states or districts. So we use those covariates and try to then generate a uh, regression model and generate estimates for districts or states which do not have the data. Right. Okay. So that can be kind of built into the model. Supposing, let's say, for instance, Kerala has very good recorded data, but a state yeah. um, in North or Central India may not. You can sort of factor that into the model while yeah, you're so making so it. If your estimates have a lot of variability, which is we're hoping at least if we get four or five states and district-wise, then we will have a lot of variability. So you have to know what explains the variability in the death toll. If you know which variables, for example, is it the availability of bed which explains, or is it the, the the severity of pandemic in terms of serology, uh, seroprevalence in that district, or is it the proportion of elderly who are the which gives best explains the differences between districts. So if you get a good hang of what explains the differences between district, we use those variables as a covariate to predict or for the estimate for the other districts which do not have data because we will have their data on seroprevalence, we'll have their data on on proportion which are elderly and their data on, on, on beds which are available. So using these proxy variables, we will estimate for the, the death state using a regression uh, equation. All right. Okay, Dr. Krishnan, I, I just have one last question. We've had a really fascinating discussion about, um, you know, how to read this data and how to perhaps arrive at an estimate sometime in the future. 
just for the present though i mean we did briefly discuss reporting practice um is there anything that you can suggest by way of reporting practice or just the way in which communities can sort of help in coming to a more accurate recording of uh, the death toll yeah so uh, i think the issue that is being raised by the press that the deaths are being undercounted is important the only question is how you raise how sensational you make it or how say it is appropriate to the occasion is up to the reporters but yes it's an issue which should be raised but uh, and and obviously visiting crematoriums and counting those deaths and linking it to the government is a, the press has an important role to play sort of a watchdog for these kind of activities and it's a good thing that they are doing it but it should not be flagged beyond a certain point i think the point of undercounting has been made that's number one number two i think we should get all the community members people to report these deaths in 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 in, in the lay reporting as covid deaths and then so that at least this gets documented somewhere it is also important that we count it that's also from the legal point of view if people might ask for compensation whether by governments or by employers and employees so it is important to document these deaths uh, as it will have legal implications in future so i uh, request everybody to try to get it registered as a covid death in the best way possible even in uh, as a uh, civil registration systems so that would be my suggestion to everybody both to the press as well as to the public right uh, dr krishnan will wrap it up there thank you so much for taking some time to spend with us and uh, explaining these very complex issues and uh, we hope to see you again on the podcast sometime soon thank you jan happy to be here in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu We'll see you soon.